Left. Right. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Sip Talk. This episode is about capitalism, religion, AI, and OnlyFans. Are these things a threat to society? What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Appreciate you guys watching. If you have not already, please subscribe. Every subscriber counts, and we are trying to grow this podcast. So I promise you, deep inside, it is appreciated. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 129. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey. I'm joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, accountant extraordinaire, professional referee, professional bartender, and philosopher. James, it's nice to have you. Broadcasting from the basement of my mom's house. <laughs> Actually, you're in your new place in South Carolina, and it's no longer sunny, which is really unfortunate. I was enjoying this little extra sun that you'd have after the sun went down here. Well, I'm the, told I look better world. in the dark. Well, <laughs> it's a shame you got all that all that brightness from the screen on your face, man. It's not not good. Um, we got we, we to get you. Uh, we got to get you like a nice ring light, and then you can face it. Uh, little away from you it'll be a good look i think yeah i could I and mean, there's there's enough wall space above my computer that i could mount a light of some sort because right now i've got a desk lamp that's pointed at the wall for like ambient light very nice very nice i think that's really important if you guys are listening to us you're not you're not seeing us you know you're really missing out because we put a lot of effort james got a lamp face in the wall <laughs> <laughs> and i've got a second monitor that like depending on what colors i have on it is changing the lighting uh, all right, so let's get into it. We're, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about safety last time. I did a little poll um, and some questions on Instagram, but I want to ask you this first. Uh, and if you haven't, you're, you're probably missing out. Uh, have you heard about this uh, crate challenge? Just today. You, did you, have you seen any of it? No. So what, what gets me about this is people, <laughs> so many people are doing this thing right now. And I don't know where they're getting the fucking crates. Like, not I haven't seen these crates since I was a kid. But, uh, but and this is some dangerous shit. Like, people are falling. I'm like, oh, he cracked some fucking ribs. Like, ah, you know, that, that, that shit. So this is hurt. like, you've just got like a stack of crates and the goal is to like climb up and then back down them. Exactly. And, but the crates are like unstable and move. And they move and then people fuck with them and they kick them out. I mean, it's, it's a... Well, I mean, yeah, that's, if you're if you're the one who's not partaking in the challenge, then you just need to like roll a bowling ball at them, which is, you know, it, it's they're getting everybody's getting fucked up. I haven't seen anybody do it yet. And uh, and we have that running in contrast with people. They're like, OK, have a nice day. Be safe. Like, well, I've seen have you seen the videos of uh, the ladder challenge where you take like a normal like painter's ladder that's maybe like eight or ten feet tall? And the, the idea is you put it on the ground and you try and climb up and then all the way back down while without it having like anchored to anything. I like that. You got to have the space for that. You know, I'm in the well, city. I mean, you do it outside. Most people have like most people have access to outside unless they're in prison. Um, <laughs> they get outside for a little while. 
but <laughs> beside beside that point, I like that challenge actually. That that seems seems really seems difficult actually. Just as dumb as the this milk crate challenge of I'm going to do something where I'm likely to get injured. Ladders scare the shit out, out of me. By the way, I I have to like clean the gutters and do all the shit on the roof and. I'm always, you know, I, the the ground's not level, and I'm just always fucking terrified. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall off. Um, ladders way. kill a lot of people every year. Ladders or the fall, or then the ladder falls on them, and the ladder is the culprit. I, I think it's more just ladder adjacent. <laughs> Interesting. I would not be surprised. It's not. I've, uh, you know, I've had some issues where I slipped a little bit, and and uh, you're reaching. I just think of national, you know, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, where he's he's putting up the the lights and uh he staples his his shirt onto the the house All right. each uh, year in the united states more than 500,000 people are treated and about 300 people die from ladder related injuries what are shark deaths just curious less than that the estimated <laughs> annual cost of ladder injuries in the united states is 24 billion dollars wow all right, well, um, these people must have health insurance because they're, they're not going bankrupt getting there. Um, all right. So globally, there are about 10, 10 people die um, every year from shark attacks. Yeah. So we, we just we have our priorities mixed up, which is which is why we were talking about safety the other day. Then I started seeing all this, this uh, these crate challenges on Instagram and TikTok. And uh, I'm just like, this is fucking dumb. Like, how can you, how can you like be afraid to touch doorknobs, but then you're going to go fucking run up the, this thing of crates and, uh, and break your fucking back. Break <laughs> Rosh your neck. says there's lots of innocent ladders in prison. <laughs> Until proven guilty. Uh, all right. So let me ask you, uh, I'm going to pour, I'm going to pour this nice uh, lion rum out of St. Michael's, Maryland, not the rum capital of the world, but damn good rum. And uh, I see you, you chugging something on the on the screen there. What are you chugging? The the same beer I always drink. Mm, all right. But now I'm moving on to red wine. I think uh, I always like to compliment a nice uh, watery light beer with some red wine. Uh, but I got this this Sailor's Reserve, and it's it's a nice drink, so I'm gonna enjoy that. Um, all right. So I sent you some of these polls I threw out there. I looked at them. And uh, all right, let me. Uh, Dan, I'm still not over that OnlyFans thing. I'll have to bring that up in a minute. But <laughs> what that the, they're no longer allowing adult content on there? Well, I mean, the only I've never been to OnlyFans. I don't. I don't really know anything about it. It's a uh, it's a paid porn site, so I don't know much about it. But <laughs> I just think you're paying for porn. Um, but either way, a lot of people are. A lot of people are making content. That's how I know about it. Now. What happened is they, they, as of a certain date, like December 1st, they haven't cut it off entirely, right? They, they've set a date to... Yeah, it'll be in like the next month or two, I think, maybe a little longer. I'm not really sure. And they want to go public, so they don't want to have this, this you know, content on their website if they're... Well, it's person. also... So, I read, I read this. So, Visa and MasterCard and the other credit card providers, um, they don't want to have their cards associated with potentially illicit activities and for a site like OnlyFans, it's really hard for them to make sure that everyone that's on the site is above the age of 18 so it's possible that 
like people that are paying for subscriptions to some content providers account if that content provider is below 18 then not only is the website in a lot of problems but so are the card providers potentially so it could be that they're getting pressure from visa and mastercard and amex and discover and whoever else saying hey if you guys can't provide us certainty that everything that's happening on your site is legal then we're not going to allow payments to your site anymore and then the site would only be able to accept things through like bitcoin or paypal would that would be a kind of a circumvention of uh, paypal would probably go the exact same way well, ultimately ultimately yeah maybe not initially but but very quickly thereafter and so it could be that you've you got, know this you you read this it's not we, we don't know for sure i'm just saying that that's a theory that's out there that to me seems plausible so we get a comment through facebook from john mendiola he must must be a very big fan of only fans but he said october 1st they ban it and it has a lot to do with investors and hedge funds not being able to invest in porn. But yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing these are the investors that they want. But here's my thinking, is if the site, which is soaring in popularity because of porn, I don't, I've never heard it in any other context. Right. If, if, <laughs> so if they drop the porn, then they've got very little driving new traffic to the site. Maybe people are you know going for the porn and then they're seeing there's other content on there but they're losing that major drive. And for me, who's, you know, spends a lot of time, you know, talking to people and on the internet and exposed to a lot of new things. That's the only thing I know about this website. Right. It's like Jiffy Lube, no longer doing quick oil changes. It just doesn't make sense. So what's going to happen? My thinking is if it doesn't work out, then they're going to try to go back and get this back on board with the illicit content. And at that point in time, I can only imagine so many other companies right now are trying to build a platform to compete and take over that side of the business. So as far as I'm concerned, they're basically fucked. Yeah, they, they're going to be leaving a giant hole in the market that other companies are going to see the opportunity as theirs to fill. And all these people that have been making money on OnlyFans that want to continue making money doing the same thing are going to find the next best hosting platform. Yeah, I mean, we have as a podcast, Sip Talk, we're, you know, we're in development of website and some other platforms. We were looking at Patreon, which is like a paid, you get special content through there, but it's paid. But I don't think they do any illicit content, but they're known for being a type of paid subscription platform. Yeah. But if you're getting rid of only, all I, all I can think is they've made this decision. There's no going back. I don't think they're going to be around in two years. Well, we got five weeks to establish our OnlyFans accounts. <laughs> I'll work hard on that. I'll start shooting here in the, in the basement. Um, all right. So let me pull up these questions. Cause I thought these were pretty kind of, I, the answers were kind of telling about how people answer things. If that makes any sense. Nope. Uh, no, there's some conflicting, conflicting data that, that came through. All right. Hang on. All right. Let me go back. Let me go back to these questions here. And uh, while you're doing that, so John Mendiola says it's used by celebrities as well for like non-porn exclusive content. So you could have like a stand -up, like a stand-up comedian releasing like OnlyFans only exclusive content for like a stand-up bit or jokes or something like that. So and there's probably some people that like post like artisanal videos of like here's how I made this or like tutorials on how to do skilled things. But that's I, I'm going to just say that's probably less than 10% of their market. 
I would I would imagine so. But also, you know, celebrities are mostly on Patreon. They're, 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 you know, they don't want to be associated with, unless that's what OnlyFans is trying to take over, but they already have this tarnished name if, I don't mean, I don't think it's tarnished, it's a porn website. It's, it is what it is, but... <laughs> Yeah, there's they, nothing wrong with it. it no, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, they, if they're trying to get into this, the pristine waters, they're already carrying around a lot of sludge, you know, and that's, this doesn't work as a, as a business model. I think anybody, you know. I, I, think, I think that they're, they're stuck because if their investors are saying, you guys got to cut this out, then, well, I think that's a bad move on the investor's part. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, who, who's going to want to invest? That's a, if you think about it, if I have an ownership interest in a company and I know how this company makes money and I chose to buy into it and that I'm telling the company, you know, the way that you're making like 90 to 99% of your income, I, I want you to stop doing that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I, it's just not going to work. By the way, I knew what you did when I bought shares in your company to begin with. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um, all right, so here, here's the first question here. Let me, uh, let me pull it up. How can we make the world safer? All right, we got a handful of answers, not, not too many. But the, the, we get a lot more answers on the yes and no, the poll type questions. But let's yeah, because see. you don't have to think as much. Uh, just be kind. I like that. That's I mean, a simple solution. I, I, think, I think if you're kind enough and, and if you're met with you know, some frustration, if you're kind enough, it's still going to slow you down and how you, you know, how you react to that issue. And you're going to be more collaborative on a solution than just shouting, shouting back at somebody. You know what? Think about Mr. Rogers. Can you imagine anyone ever being mean to Mr. Rogers? I'm sure they are all the time before they know who he is, but the way that and then reacts, as soon as they realize who, the, who he is and the way he responds to them, they're like, wow, I feel like the world's biggest asshole now. Yeah, because he's known for being kind. So if you just make that your your kind of main mode, then you know you're gonna have less issues. Next, next is uh, behave, behave responsibly, which uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change that around and say take responsibility for your actions. And uh, that doesn't necessarily make the world safer. That just means that there's consequences for unsafe actions. Well, all right. <laughs> yes, but I think responsibility is a big one. And I think a lot of people aren't, you know, taking responsibility for, for things that they otherwise should be. So, you know, this, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but and I'm not going to shout out the person, but today the, uh, I had just stepped out and was ordering lunch. So, and, and then I was going to stop at the bank. So I was going to be gone for a solid 25 minutes, half hour, but I had just ordered lunch. So I wasn't about to bounce on this on this lunch order and I get a couple of text messages saying the internet's down in the office. So now I go into like panic mode. I'm like, how can I get out of this restaurant? I'm obviously going to skip the bank. I don't just want to bounce. You know, I, I paid for the food. Uh, you know, I could tell them uh, I'll be back. Like, but then I'm going to have to deal with it. I may not be back for now. Who the fuck knows is going to go on either way. I find out the internet's down. I go into like firefighter mode. All right. Like the alarm's going, you get dressed, you figure the, the best route there. I'm in the middle of figuring the best route there. And I'm like, you know what? Let me text a couple of people in the, in the office. So I text a couple of people like, yeah, it's, it's working for one person, but it's not working for a couple of other people. Um, I messaged one of the people who's been working with me for a long time, somebody that you would assume would step up 
and help take care of the issue in my absence. And I said, are you aware of some internet issues? And he said, yes. I was in front of Tori and it went off. I went to get lunch. <laughs> he, he was, I said, are you aware of the internet issues? He said, yes. I was in front of Tori and it went off. I went to get lunch. But, so he's like, he, so as the issue happens, he just bounces. So that's when it comes to responsibility, you know, behave responsibly is, you know, what she's saying. The answer would be, okay, let's, let's troubleshoot the internet problem rather than just abandon everybody in the office, you know, take some responsibility, even though you didn't cause it, but being a responsible person would be to solve issues, especially when it affects 27 people around you. At least and take a whack at it for like 10 minutes. Or at, at least two minutes, but don't just be like, yeah, I had an issue. I, I found out about it and uh, went to lunch. Like that's infuriating for me because I wasn't there. But I, a better answer for me to have heard was, yeah, I heard something was going on. That, that, I would have been cool with that. I heard something was going on, but not yet. I found out something happened as it happened and I immediately left. <laughs> Come on. Uh, at least lie better i mean the thing like that's some of the most frustrating shit as a business owner now i no longer own the business so i don't have i mean i'm still trying to grow the business that's my role is helping to grow the business but i don't have that vested interest where if shit fails it all falls on my shoulders there's other people to go to now but when you are that sole person and which is how it's been and this is something that's been with me for a while so we're all in it together and you just get that answer from somebody like why why do i ever help you then you have an issue. Why, why do I bother taking time out of my day to help you with your issues? And this is an issue that affects everybody and you just bounced. Oh man, there must've been smoke coming out of my ears today. Um, all right. Let me hit a couple more of these. Cause some of these are kind of lousy, but I'll try to hit the, the best ones being able to have a conversation with people instead of straight to disagreement, which a lot of people, their minds are made up before they get into, get into conversation. Um, here's a, Another good one is meditation. Would that make the world a better place? I mean, if nobody's going out doing anything, sure. No, but I think it's good to have some time where you have to think and you're forcing your brain into a controlled activity. I'm not a big meditator, but you know, it is nice to, to just slow down and think. And if you can employ that in other areas of life outside of dedicated meditation time, those are skills that would be pretty beneficial for you. You know, it's easier to meditate when the internet internet's down. <laughs> I, I read that somewhere. <laughs> I, th I think it was on Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, less media coverage or even just equally positive coverage to negative coverage. Now, that's unrealistic. It's, it is unrealistic. Wouldn't be good for ratings. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really... I have not listened to the news much at all this year. And I'm just, I'm so tuned out of just the opinion based and the story based. I don't need a story. I just want the facts as it is. I don't need to, you know, and they start talking about Biden's responsibility in Afghanistan and Trump's responsibility in Afghanistan and whether it was caused by Trump or what happened. And I, I don't, I, I just want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what we might be doing. I want to know what other countries might be doing. But I don't want, I don't want to have a discussion about responsibility. I don't want to turn it into a story. I don't want to point blame. I just want the facts. And, you know, I can figure that out. But, uh, but that's you know, not what most people want. 
but and they don't know what they want they just but the but the media knows how they respond well exactly it's because if you ask anybody what they want they're not going to say i want negative news and sensationalized headlines but that is what people respond to the most people aren't going to admit that they want news that reinforces whatever bias they hold but the data is really clear sure but if you put a piece of cake on the table and you put an apple on the table and you just you, know, you wait to see what's going to happen people are probably going to you know, gravitate towards that cake that's just that's how it goes now if you ask them what they wanted they'd be like do you would you rather a giant piece of cake or a nice crispy apple they're going to say they're going to say well i'd be inclined for the cake but i know the better choice the apple and if we let people make decisions like that that you know but we don't let people make decisions we just you know we force food in the cake because we know deep down inside they want the cake right like oh. we we know deep down inside they want this sensationalized media. If you can sell the cake for three times as much as the apple. Exactly. Exactly. John said they need the viewers and they know what will bring them in. And it's true. But uh, I think we got to get back to less sensationalized. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't. And the thing is, you know, I listen to a decent amount of NPR and then usually they're just like the world's burning, the world's burning. Here's a story about uh, a young girl who learned to play the violin from her grandmother. And it's like, I don't, that's not, you're not, it doesn't cancel each other out. Like, I don't need the fucking violin story. It's a nice story, but it doesn't cancel out the fact that you guys are running around saying Trump lit Biden's hair on fire. It's yeah, not. but would you listen to a, a, a radio station that just tells feel-good stories about, like, six-year-old no. girls learning violin from their grandmother? That's my point. What I, what I want to know, you know, you can throw in some crazy shit that's going on. You can throw in some good shit that's going on. But I just want the facts. I just want... I want news as in the details. I don't want it to be turned into a story. I don't want it to be sensationalized. And uh, let me hit the next one here because we got we got. Let's uh, get to the next question. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's. Uh, I got a few more answers, but they weren't incredible. Right. Next, so that's why we go to the next question. All right. Next question. Aside from climate change, what's the biggest threat? Spiders. <laughs> Um, so we got some good, we got some good answers on this. Um, and I, I like these answers, people's egos. And I, I think we are, we are getting to this like crazy egocentric, you know, narcissistic era where everybody is a narcissist more so than ever before. Everybody thinks they're so vastly important in the world. Uh, and everybody thinks they're number one and that's, you know well to think otherwise runs completely counter to basically any psychology it is yeah but it's it's wor it's getting worse and people aren't understanding that well that's because social media makes it so that it's very easy to feel like you're the only person in the world because it's catered to you yep it is all right all right next one is uh, gender identity is the biggest threat <laughs> I, I i fail to see how that's a threat I think uh, I think it's been sensational. I will say the sensationalization of gender identity. Well, sure, but is, who's it harming? But yeah, exactly. It, it what, who it is harming is is children, who you wouldn't give a tattoo, but you let them lop off their dick and give them hormone therapy. I think that's a little, you know, you can't have a tattoo until you're 18, but you can have hormone therapy. To me, you know, we're we're eliminating your. Uh, puberty and uh you know well you there's actually a really interesting medical debate about that one because 
the thing is, if if you give people hormone therapy before they've gone through puberty, then transitioning from one gender to the other is a lot easier because there aren't the permanent effects of the hormones that you got of like basically the wrong sex's hormones during puberty. You didn't have to go through that. And so you get it's a much easier transition because you don't have like work to undo, so to speak. Sure, but the but the issue is that we're we're giving a seven year old the decision to change the rest of their life. It's not seven year olds. Well, in in some cases it is. Uh, I think it's a little older than that. And I think it's a really interesting debate because there's on one side of the argument, there's the argument that it's kind of a medical necessity to do it earlier because it eliminates future problems. But on your side of the argument, it's a your brain isn't fully formed yet. So how do we identify that this is a true problem and not just some kind of child fascination with an idea and well, that, I'm, I'm sharing the side of the argument that I'm familiar with. I'm, I'm totally down to engage in a debate and and listen to and speculate on a debate, because I, re- I think that would be better for me to help form my opinion, because I really I don't well, know that much about it. So I think the, the, the best practice here is. Any of the doctors that are involved in this. Are pretty much universal in saying that it's better to go through the hormone therapy before you hit puberty than to wait. But and I generally do... would trust medical professionals on this one because they know way more about it than I do. But but do we know doctors to typically say, you know what, we shouldn't prescribe anything and we shouldn't do the procedure? Well, that's the flip side of the argument is you say, well, there's a profit motive here on their part. Exactly. But also, again, we need a lot more data uh, and I don't mean like one story about, you know, a nine-year-old from Wisconsin, like that, that goes on NPR and then people are like, well, this is happening. It's happening all over the place. It's not. It was one nine-year-old in Wisconsin. But we, we need some real data. Uh, and I, I, think, I think we need some, some pretty sizable studies. And, well, uh, and here's the thing is this is not a super common phenomenon and it's not really affecting many people, if at all. So for it to be a major policy objective of either political party, to me, seems misguided. There are bigger problems. Like, I think both parties just kind of need to leave this one alone and just be like, you know what, we're out on this. Like, we'll leave this between the families and the doctors, and we don't want to comment. I think that's almost all right to still be doing right now, but something's going to have to happen because you're going to. Right. But what I'm saying is that it shouldn't be something that draws a huge amount of attention. Who cares? Well, some people really do. And right. I'm telling them not to. Some people who like to make decisions for other people, especially when it comes to. uh, Well, yeah. And that's the the issue. Stop making decisions for other people. Yeah. And that's, that's a big part of it. And, you know, the idea of keeping somebody else's nine-year-old from doing whatever the fuck that nine-year-old wants to do to me seems like an awful intimate decision to make, but it's still, if I'm going to comment on it, have a conversation about it. Either way, this is A.A. Mackey's comment. All Um, right. What's the next one? uh, So biggest things that are challenging us as a society, ignorant people. Next is greed. Uh, each other, I've seen more hate in the past year than I have in the last 30 years. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, I think 
I think we are, again, that goes with the egotistical thing and, and the not wanting to listen to other people thing. And, and people are tearing each other apart. And I think that's a really. Well, that's kind of what we talked about last week is like, that's how I started with it was saying like, where is this coming from and how do we solve it? And I don't think we came up with an answer for either of them, but uh, hey, Maria's um, here. Hi, Maria. Uh, all right. So we got uh, K. Joe saying procreation. Lisa says the effect on our economy COVID has 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 had. Um, well, yeah. so let's talk about procreation. So population, the, the, the population of people, I think that that. I think we should talk a little bit more on that subject because overpopulation is going to be an issue. Well, they're predicting population to make it to what about 9 billion and then take a, a, a quick, you know, a, a relatively quick decline, right? Or is it going to go up past 9 billion and then level back down to 9 billion? Have you heard these? I thought it was like 10 billion is predicted to be the peak and then it'll start to level off and, and retreat. Um, but you, but again, we talked about things like Japan and some, you know, some place in China where the they're having a negative population growth. So, you know, is population going to be a big issue? It's definitely, it definitely is an issue when it comes to food shortages and water shortages, and being able to bring supply and food and shelter to to the people. What are you searching? Uh, research department is currently looking at UN predictions. Um, Are you but, the research department? <laughs> yes. Okay, very good. Um, but this is all like high estimates. So by the year 2100, the UN estimates 10.8 billion. We'll hit 8 billion somewhere in 2023. Okay. Um, but high, medium, and low. All right. Well, let's so, Rosh can Rosh can send it. Let's hit a couple of these other ones. But but just in regards to procreation, I think the answer is population, or or actually, you know what? Maybe the this is going to sound shitty, but the types of people that are procreating, which tend you know typically the lower the education level and the income level the higher number of offspring people have yeah it has to do a lot with economic development where you see the same pattern in pretty much any country is that when they're undeveloped economically you see like a, some small amount of economic growth triggers massive growth in population and that trend continues for a little bit and then once they basically reach what's the equivalent of like first world status or whatever that starts to level off and like you see this in western europe and the united states especially japan but you kind of reach an equilibrium population in a country based on its economics um and pardon me for just a sec you are pardoned all right well it looks like uh looks like we got to hit some of these comments on uh on tiktok and facebook but the instagram guys went away so i don't know what happened but either way we're talking about procreation being uh 
being something that's going to lead to the downfall of uh, of society. And I think before it being an issue having too many people, I think it's going to be insufficient food supplies when it comes to feeding the people, insufficient amount of clean water for people to to be able to drink, and then water to sustain the food supply as well. Uh, well yeah, in, there's in, finite resources for sure. Well, and I think it's going to be we're going to run out of resources. I don't think we're going to become overpopulated by having a considerably higher number of people that we have. But I think the way that things are going, we're going to eat into the resources. Um, hey, Debbie, nice to have you. All right, so let me uh, let me hit the next one. The world power struggle, which uh, you know, I think with nuclear capabilities and uh, just different types of warfare, technological warfare. Uh, That's always been a threat, and will probably continue to be. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with you. And then en- energy dependency on oil, coal, and natural gas, which I actually think we're doing a pretty good job, a pretty good job dealing with getting ourselves into the renewable energy sector. But I don't think we're doing it fast enough, which I, I think we're doing it pretty quick now. But it might be a little too late on some of these things. So then we're not, you know, we got to we got to tighten that curve up a little bit. Yeah. All right. So here's where we got some poll data. We got a lot of, a lot of responses here. Um, which causes more wars, religion or capitalism? So. Well, I'll I, tell you what the results were. Can I guess? You can. I'm going to guess that it was 60-40 in favor of capitalism. Yeah. So 62% said more wars were caused by religion. Oh, so I got the 60-40 right, but I guess yeah, right. wrong side wins. Well, well, re- religion being the cause of more wars. Right, yeah. I, uh, I would have... Uh, I misinterpreted what you said. I thought you were saying uh, capitalism wins because it causes fewer wars. No. Oh, so you were, you were in opposite. You were in opposite wrong. Um, and I think historically, especially, although, you know, capitalism disguised as religion... Uh, in some cases, I would imagine as well. So I think historically, religion would win. In the last hundred years, capitalism would win. And what what wars are we calling capitalism? Because World War II, not a capitalist war, definitely a religious. It wasn't religious. War. Well, it was, it was an idealistic war about, about race, yeah? Mm. Yeah, sort of. Great, you know, great aspects of it were. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. But I think it was the, the causes of World War II are fascinating, actually. Um, because when Germany lost World War I, the, the leaders of the country all kind of got together and were like, well, what happened? We were super powerful and we lost. And it was really hard for the country to come to grips with the fact that they lost the war and the Treaty of Versailles did them no favors. And so you had some people in the like in the political environment trying to find scapegoats for why they lost. So that way it wasn't the weakness of the German people that caused them to lose, but it was outsiders that were part of German society that sabotaged the German war effort. And as soon as they came up with this idea of, well, it must have been the Jews on the, in the Navy or something like that, they're like, of course, it was the Jews. And so that's where it all kind of started. But I don't think that 
I think you could make the argument that it was a capitalist war in that Germany was looking to expand its borders and have control over basically all of Europe so that the German people could capitalize on all the resources in Europe. So it was ideological in that Hitler wanted to have a master race, but there's also capitalists. There's capitalistic tendencies in this. Let me ask you a question. If we, uh, what if the U.S., rather than trying to set up democracy in Afghanistan, just kind of went over there originally and was like, all right, guys, we're just taking this for us. You can stay here. You can, you can work with the jobs that we're going to implement. You can run our schools and you can, you can, you know, you can help us mine for whatever precious minerals there are here um, and, and help us export. There's a decent amount of oil, I think, that comes out of Afghanistan. Or am I wrong? Not really. Um, but either way, you know, we're just like, we're going to take it and, and it's ours now. Just kind of like a Hawaii type situation, except a little more Middle Eastern on vacation time. I don't think that that would have flown because... In the rest of the world, you mean, uh, on the world stage? I don't even think it would have, I don't think it would have flown here either. Because, like, we invaded Afghanistan about a month after 9 11. Mm-hmm. And there was pretty much unanimity in the country that it was the right thing to do because the Taliban, who were ruling them 20 years ago and are now ruling them again now, were providing safe harbor to the organizations that trained the terrorists that attacked us. And so we said, here's a regime that's basically supporting these groups. Let's get rid of them. I, I, yeah, fair enough. But, but we tried to set up a different regime and it, it didn't work. Well, yeah. In, re- in and- retrospect, would have... Now, we may not have been able to get the American people on board, but I'll bet you if we went back and, we're, and now, I'll bet you if, if in... Over the next 30 days, we're like, you know, we have a plan. We're just going to go and we're just going to take given it would be impossible now that the Taliban is basically taken back over the city. But if we just went back and we were like, you know what? But I'll bet the American people will get behind it. Uh, we're just, you know, we're just going to take this and it's going to be the 51st state. And it's way out here, but Hawaii is far as shit, too. It wouldn't get any popular support. You know, I, I, I because bet a good spin on it, it, it probably would. In extremely rare circumstances, imperialism is not tolerated in the 21st century. Well, that's exactly. And that's, I think, the biggest. I think on the world stage, it wouldn't work. But I think domestically, we could sell it pretty well to, to our people. Uh, but either way, so look, so we got, we got most people saying wars are caused by religion. And then the next question is, is capitalism mostly good or mostly bad? And most people said capitalism is mostly good. You know what percentage said that? 68. Exactly. Look, good guess. <laughs> exactly 68. And then the next question was, is religion mostly good or mostly bad? I'm going to go with mostly good at 59. Mostly good at 56. I'm pretty good at this. Well, except for the first one you got completely in reverse. <laughs> but I got the numbers right. But I'm a numbers guy. It's, it's interesting that that people thought religion caused most of the wars, but that religion is mostly good. And I, I understand they don't, those two don't cancel each other out. They don't even necessarily over, overlap in all ways. But I found that to be an interesting way that people answered that question. But again, 
Uh, Can we circle back to the capitalism one? Because I want to throw an answer out there and I, I want to see how you respond to it. Sure. Hit me. Is capitalism mostly good or mostly bad? My answer is that it's neutral. I, I, would, I was going to say I can't think one way or the other. I think it has its merits. It also has some major downsides, especially if left unchecked. So capitalism alone is as equally good as it is bad and as equally bad as it, as it is good. Um, I, I don't think you can, you, I just don't think it wins because then, then it's, and then every restaurant is Taco Bell because Taco Bell won the, the, the food wars, the restaurant wars, you know, that's just how that works. So yeah, the monopoly problem is a huge one in, in unfettered capitalism. Yeah, I, I mean, there's. I'm, I'm assuming you have a couple others in mind. Monopolies are probably the biggest one. Um, wealth inequality. That capitalism doesn't promote wealth equality, or or even somewhat fair wealth distribution. Um, capitalism doesn't take into account inherent structural advantages or disadvantages for people. Um, so let's imagine that you're born without legs. You're going to have a lot harder time succeeding in a radically capitalist society because yeah, who's capital. going to support you? Who's, how, how are you going to be able to compete with somebody that has two legs? Well, it's, in no, it's in no one's interest except your immediate family and friends. And your friends exactly. are going to be pretty small if, if the world doesn't, if you can't even get to school because they're not building ramps because that's not. How does that profit the school? Yeah, there's no, there's no uh, capital enrichment to the school unless. Right. Unless, so, unless they, they're going to then bring in a whole bunch of other kids with disabilities that, that which they're getting more students that way, but then they're also spending a lot more money on. Right. And think about it. Like, are you going to be able to run a successful business helping the handicapped? Probably not, because the handicapped, handicapped don't have any money to pay you. Well, if it's a handicap, like a wheelchair supply store, it is. But, but I get well, I get your point is that capitalism generally is not taking care of the weak or the people that have difficulty earning. Or it, it's just you have a very slow but then very fast shift in wealth. Mm -hmm. And there's very limited incentive drag back up that lower portion Not, nothing's you know driving that lower portion of i don't need these people i got here without them why do i need to help them now in unfettered capitalism that's what you get and that's a huge that's one of its biggest failings yeah um and that's why pretty much any capitalist society in the in anywhere in the in the world has some elements of socialism to it they might not call them socialism but by definition they are and the United States is no different. We've got Medicare and Medicaid. Those are socialist policies. We've got free public school. That's a socialist policy. We've got roads that are, we've got public roads. We've got that public police, have, public fire. Tolls on them. Yeah. You're not paying the firefighters to come to your house. And the firefighters aren't just putting the Yeah. You don't have to have separate fire insurance that you pay the local fire department that like they charge you per year to have service for them because that's how it worked 200 years ago is like you would pay the fire department some amount every year and if your house caught on fire they'd come and put it out 
if you didn't pay them, then what they would do is they would spray water on the houses next to you if those houses had paid so that those houses didn't burn down. That's brilliant. Um, but the, the whole point is that we've got all these social policies in the United States that people don't think of socialism because socialism is such a politically charged word these days. Well, that's but, a lot of the issue. Exactly. But when you actually look at a ton of things that this country does, there's a, a large amount of socialism to it. And pretty much all of those programs are universally liked. You're not going to find too many people in this country that are going to say we should have no public schools, that we should have no public roads, and we should have no public get. police department, that we should yeah. have no public fire department. Everybody well, supports those things. But you could you could create an interesting conversation about charging tolls for roads and decreasing taxes considerably. Well, right? what's interesting is if you um, so there's a political belief called anarcho capitalism, where basically there is no government whatsoever. Everything is privatized. There's no public streetlights. There's no public police force. There's no nothing. And when you run the thought experiment long enough, what you'll find is that you end up with groups of people living in areas that collectively decide to start paying for things together. So if you live in like a small city or a town or a development or whatever, and you want to protect yourself from people that might try and rob you, you might hire like a private security for security force that might that starts to look either like a national army or a local police force. And you might have them say, you know what, we should put in a water system so that way we can have running water all the houses. It's like anarcho capitalism when you eliminate government, people will naturally start to work back them back towards things that strikingly resemble government makes sense you know, but also you know after the last election there's there's a lot of young people just declaring themselves socialists i know we kind of skipped over what you were just saying but you have a lot of young people just declaring outright that they're socialists so you know i think which i just think that's i don't think it's a terrible thing but i think it's a short-sighted thing and it's not a move to a collaborative future well, you have to you have to remember that whenever someone says I'm going to run government like like a business. Now, this is my opinion here, but tell me I'm wrong. Whenever someone says I'm going to run government like a business, they're missing a huge aspect of the difference between government and business, which is business is designed to make a profit for its shareholders. Whereas government is meant to provide a service to its citizens and profit motive doesn't exist in government and providing good service to all of its citizens or all of its customers isn't necessarily the aim of a business. Well, if that would be the profit of the shareholders and you're looking at the citizens as a business. But the government's not also the government's not designed to make it so that everyone that lives in that government profits. It's providing services. Well, I, say, I think I think it's the way that you delivered it actually sounds really similar. Oh well, businesses, you know, want to profit their shareholders, but governments have to take care of their citizens. To, to me, let me put on it this the service, way. Hang on, just, you, let me finish my thought here. Okay, those two sound exactly the same. But what you really need to do is differentiate the difference between profits and services. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, people want profits and dollar signs. 
people don't want all services, but they have to be there, right? You have to have some services that not everybody wants that some people want. And there are some services that are fundamentally unprofitable to offer that still are valuable to society as a whole. But yeah, but, but, your, but your, bo your board of directors or your shareholders might not vote for those services if no, they're unprofitable. That's why government exists, to fill the voids that private, private businesses won't. Exactly. So look, I got, I got one more question. I think this is a cool one. So I want to hit it before we get cut the fuck off, which seems to keep happening. <laughs> but we, we're sticking to our time limit these days. All right. Next question. Is AI, artificial intelligence, a realistic threat to humanity? Um, I'm going to guess that it's 63 to 47, uh, 37, bad math, 63, 37, saying that AI is a threat. 62. How good am I? I actually think a little over 62 because I think it was 62 to 37. So 62 something to 37. All right. Um, so, so a lot of people are afraid of AI as a threat and... I, I'm just, I got to toot my own horn on this one. Like I got like two or three of them right on the nose. Well, what, what do you, what do you think? You think it's, it's a realistic threat or you think it's going to help humanity grow? You think it's going to help us grow for a little while and then it's just going to cluster fuck us. Like uh, what's, what's that thing from the Terminator? Something net. What's that called? Skynet. Skynet. You think Skynet's going to kill us? So the answer, the, the, the question is, is it going, is it something that will help us grow or is it a realistic threat to our existence? And my answer is both. Well, the question is, is it a realistic threat to our, we know it's going to help us grow, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is I, you know, I think mo most likely it's going to help us grow for a while and then it's going to create a major threat down the line. I would agree with you. And so I think, I think we look at it as a long-term, a shorter long-term threat. Like, I don't think it's that, I don't think it's a, it's 150 years away. I think it's, I think we're going to run into some issues in the next 30 years. Well, we talked about this a little bit way back when we were talking about universal basic income, which is as AI gets better, our ability to automate tasks will grow exponentially. And we're going to have progressively less and less of a need for human labor in a lot of sectors and that's going to lead to certain industries disappearing and other industries shrinking markedly and you're going to have a whole bunch of people that now no longer have a way of making a living that's a problem well what do they do because i think no matter what if we look that's at the, the problem future, is what do they do i think no matter what if you look at the future there's fewer jobs mm-hmm I don't think there's any way. I don't think there's any way to to think about that differently. I think no matter what, the future there's just going to be less jobs. I, I agree. So then, what do you do? How's that? Is it well? That's where that's where the concept of universal basic income comes in. Is for these people that no longer can work because like the things that they used to be able to do are now done by robots, like you have to find a way of being able to give them money so that they can afford to live. Otherwise, like, what are they going to do? Well, the question is, what else could they possibly do in the future to make money? I don't know. That, that's, the, the, there's only so much demand for labor. And if you start filling demand for labor with AI and robots instead of humans, 
then you're going to have a huge supply demand differential where the supply of labor greatly outweighs the demand for labor. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I wish there was something I could think of off the top of my head that would, that was, that would help us get to an answer here, but I can't. There isn't an answer. That's the problem is that eventually you're going to have AI and robots displacing enough people that you are not going to be able to have full employment or anything remotely close to it because there just aren't enough jobs available for the people who want to work them. Well, I think when most people think of AI being a threat to the human race, they think more Skynet where the robots turn against us. That's that. No, that's not going to happen. Well, I think there's a, there's a good chance there could be some threats from people doing things using AI to, you know, I was thinking today about like the, I was thinking about all the junk mail that I get, like people can email bomb you. Like that's, not that yeah, that's but that's, that's AI, a cute, that, but, those are, those are small scale problems. But, th but that's something that somebody could, you know, hack some system and now it's, it's being malicious rather than, than working. Yeah. For you. But, Ultimately, it's just one system that can basically be excised and, and shut down. Well, until they get considerably more integrated. And you look at that movie, Her. You ever see the movie, Her? Nope. So uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is a guy. And I think the voice might be Scarlett Johansson. I'm not sure. But the idea with Her is that he has this kind of companion app. And it's a female voice. And he starts, like, building a relationship with this female voice. And the female AI evolves and evolves and evolves. And it just, it basically loses touch and it with reality and can't relate to him anymore. He can't relate to it anymore. And it, it becomes this singularity. Um, but I, you know, I think the AI will, you know, will continue to evolve. I think there's the singularity idea is, is very very likely. I don't think I, I don't think in our lifetime there'll ever be a, a, a one singularity, but I think there'll be. This makes sense. Multiple singularities, multiple, you know, where you have Google versus, you know, Apple versus, uh, what else is out there? You know, I, think I, I get what you're saying, but the 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 issue is that, like, AI and robots are still only going to have the tools available to them that we give them. So they're always going to be limited by what we provide. Um, what, what's our time looking like? I got you. Um, Kelvin Diaz says, do Airbnb file properties become a landlord? That's not something that's going to fill all the, pro like, th that's oh. not going to employ enough people. And like, you have to live that like the supply of, of real estate is roughly equal to the demand for real estate. So in order for you to be like renting to somebody, that means that you have to own more than you currently have. So that means that somebody else has to be renting from you. Like it, it's, it, it's effectively zero sum. But how are they paying rent unless they're owning property? Right, right, exactly. So it, that's why I'm saying it's zero sum. Yeah, it's, it's not, a, not a complete solution. But, but what he's saying is people will have to get out of these conventional nine to five paper pusher type jobs which i get that I, you know it's, it's a well, good yeah. point and we're already we're seeing gonna, that and we're going to be more creative with what type of jobs are are going to be available in the future but still a lot of the labor jobs and the paper pushing 
all this. I mean, just think when you call a company right now, how much time you have to spend on the phone with a bot basically directing you in voice recognition yeah. to, to get to different departments. Well, now that OnlyFans is shut down, that's another major avenue that people don't have available to them. Yeah, that self-employment avenue is, is definitely stifled in that OnlyFans department. So, you know, sorry, dudes. Um, all right, so look, so we got a couple of minutes left. Anything you, anything you want to add about the safety of the world, uh, overpopulation, artificial intelligence, before we uh, leave the airwaves? Um, only a joke. <laughs> Go for it. Platform is yours. I was doing a tax return for a client, and their kid had a, a form from a college. And I saw the college's name, and I was just curious, so I looked it up. And I'm not going to say the name of the college or anything else, but... When I Googled the college, it, uh, the college said such and such university and it said leader in artificial intelligence. And I said, that's a pretty unintentional self-burn. <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah, you got a degree from such and such university. That's artificial intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. On that note, let's wrap. Uh, thank you, guys. Sepitz, Anrod, Kelvin. I uh, thank all you guys who join us live. Lauren, Kelsey, Lisa, Hannah, Jen, Jen, Wakas, TJ, Michael. I see all you, all you guys in live. Thank you for joining us. We're uh, in the time limit, so we are out. Thank you, James, for joining. Thank you, Rosh, for manning the see live. See you on Thursday. And thank you, Rosh, for feeding us all of those, uh, all those comments. And I will see you guys next time. Adios. Cheers. See ya. All right, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for making it. If you have not already subscribed, let me know what you think of the comments. We do read all the comments, and oftentimes we announce them in the following episodes. So I'd love for you to be part of the next episode. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.